First lesson is from Isaiah 58. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see not? And have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble oneself. Is it to bow down the head like a reed and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? It's not this the fast that I choose to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked, to cover them, not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily, Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise into darkness, and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your ancestor, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The word of the Lord. Be to God. Let's stand as you're able for the gospel. The Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked them, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandments greater than these. 
And the scribe said to him, You're right, teacher. You truly said that he is one, and there is no one other besides him. To love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, to love one's neighbor as oneself, is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You're not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, you long to reveal yourself to us. Open our eyes to see you, and open our hearts to receive you this evening. Amen. Please be seated. So today is Ash Wednesday, which has to be one of the strangest and most countercultural days of the Christian year. A day when we gather together in prayer and repentance and have ashes smeared on our foreheads in what might be seen as a dismal reminder of our mortality. Today also marks the beginning of the equally strange season of Lent, a season of preparation, prayer, and fasting that leads up to Easter. Lent is strange, but it's also wise. It's a wise time, given in the wisdom of the church to approach the events of Holy Week and Easter with care, slowly. It's a time to prepare our souls for the heartache that is Good Friday and for the joy that is Easter Sunday. Lent is a gift. But sometimes it can feel more like a burden than a gift. Sometimes it can feel like it's all about us and all on us. We have to repent right. We have to choose the right thing to give up or take on. And what happens if we decide not to do anything? Is that okay? Or if we break our fast, is that okay? What's it all about? As a kid, I grew up in a non-denominational church, and this church almost entirely ignored the Christian calendar. But for some reason, I knew Lent. It wasn't, I think, a thing that was mentioned in the church at all, but for some reason, it was on my horizon. And so as a teenager, I began fasting from various things for Lent. Chocolate one year, snacks between meals another year. My mom loved that because it meant I ate her food. Uh, She's a good cook. I found it a really fun challenge and a way to make the anticipation of Easter greater, especially when I gave up chocolate because I knew that on Easter morning we would have a chocolate Easter egg hunt. And so it was very exciting. But as an adult, I've found this whole season a lot more complicated and not as easy. I've wrestled with why I give up the things I do and the whole point of fasting. I've found myself unsure about whether the things I choose to give up are for practical or more selfish reasons, like I may end up losing a few pounds if I give up chips for Lent, or for spiritual reasons. And if there are spiritual reasons, what's the desired outcome? What am I looking for? What am I hoping to achieve? Give, pray, and fast. These are the three ancient calls of Lent. And you'll hear more about these in the coming weeks on Sundays. And each of them can be so valuable and helpful in their own right. And each of them can be turned so easily into ways of trying to earn God's favor trying to make ourselves feel better about our own lifestyles. 
The passage that was read for us, Isaiah 58, is tackling some of these questions. As the Israelites have been fasting and praying regularly, daily, it says, but they feel like God isn't answering their prayers or listening to them. The Mosaic laws for the Jewish nation originally only dedicated one day a year to fasting, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. But after the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in 587 BC, more fasting days were added to the calendar as a way of remembering some of the tragedies that they had gone through. And these days of fasting were impressive events with the whole community gathering for solemnity and all together. And it's into this context that the people are crying out to God, wondering why he seems so absent when they seem to be doing everything right, despite all their prayers and fasting. Why have we fasted and you don't see it, they say. Why have we humbled ourselves and you don't seem to care? Aren't we doing all the right things? And here's what strikes me about this passage. It wasn't at all that God didn't hear their prayers, or that God didn't see their fast. It wasn't that he didn't care. And that is evident right from the very first verse of this uh, passage from this chapter, when God sends his spokesperson, the prophet Isaiah, to literally shout the answer to them. Cry aloud, it says. Don't hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Be clear. They want to know. Let them know what they're doing wrong so that they can fix it, so that our relationship can be restored. God had been paying attention to them. He had seen their fasting and their humbling of themselves, and he cared desperately for them. He knew, and he wanted them to know that he was there, but they had forgotten how to look for him. They had lost the plot. It wasn't that their prayers and fasting were wrong in and of themselves. It it was that they had forgotten who they were praying to. They had forgotten who God was. A God of love. Not just for them, but for everyone. They had forgotten that the God of love can't be divorced, or the love of God can't be divorced from the love of neighbor and still be authentic. Because God is a God of love. And to love him means to love the people he has made especially the vulnerable ones, the ones in need, the unlovable ones, the unlovely ones. This is worth more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices, more than any amount of fasting. Behold, God replies in answer to their question in verse 3, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasures and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like this won't make your voice heard. The people were acting as if it was only their actions in the temple that mattered to God and that he wouldn't care about anything else. And so they continued all their exploitative and argumentative ways, their disregard for the poor, their trampling of the Sabbath, and they assumed that it didn't matter because they were doing the things right when they went to the temple. They were praying and fasting. And in doing so, they missed the entire point And here's the good news of this evening. Worship, fasting, clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, giving six items to a food bank like we're suggesting you do, forgive six this this Lent. All of these are really good things to do. All of them are important. All of them are worthwhile. 
And none of them are effective ways to earn God's favor because we already have it in Christ. None of them will make God pay closer attention to you because he already is paying close attention to you. None of them will make him love you more because he already loves you as much as he can. He is already listening to you. He is already seeking to draw near to you. In you, he sees the perfection of Christ, and nothing you do will change that. The point of fasting, the point of prayer, the point of giving is not trying to make God listen. The point is to be able to open our own hearts, to be able to recognize him in our midst. There's a beautiful short story written by the Russian author Leo Tolstoy called Where Love Is, There God Is Also. It's about a shoemaker named Martin. Martin lived in a basement apartment with one window just at eye height where he could see the shoes of people passing by. And because he was a shoemaker, he knew a lot of the shoes passing by and he would be able to recognize people by their shoes. Well, Martin had had a rough life and he had turned away from God at various points, but towards the end of his life, he was wanting to kind of, he was kind of struggling with the meaning of life and with God and with all of this. And he mentioned that to somebody, a, a holy man, and the holy man said, well, find yourself a New Testament and start reading it. And so Martin found himself a New Testament and he started reading it and he started devouring it. Every night he would read it. And one night after he was reading, he fell asleep and he had a dream. He heard a voice. He heard the voice of Jesus saying, I'm going to visit you tomorrow, Martin. And then he woke up and the next day he got up and he cleaned his place and he was pretty excited about this uh, visit from Jesus. So he went to work on his shoes by the window where he could see everybody that passed by. And he passed, he recognized a number of the people that passed by. And then somebody that he didn't recognize immediately passed. And he was like, oh, it must be Christ. But then he realized, no, no, it's only my old neighbor, Stepanita, uh, shoveling the sidewalk. And Stepanita looked really cold and weary. And Martin invited him into his house for tea and conversation, warmed him up, cheered him up, and then sent him on his way. And went back to looking out the window. A number of more people passed by, and then somebody else he didn't recognize. But it wasn't Christ. It was a young woman with a baby, and she was dressed in shabby summer clothes, and she was trying to keep the child out of the wind that was howling on this winter day, and the baby was crying inconsolably. And so Martin brought her into his house. And he found an old coat for her, gave it to her. He dug under his bed in a box and he found a little coin that she would be able to use to redeem a shawl that she had pawned off. He fed her some of the cabbage soup that he had made himself and some bread. And she was so grateful because she knew that without his help, she would have frozen to death out there and her baby would have too. And then she went on her way, warmed and fed. And Martin went back to looking out the window. And the day was drawing to an end. And he saw suddenly an old woman with an apple basket and a bag of wooden chips. And she was trying to sort them out. And she paused in front of him and set her apple basket down. And she looked really tired and it looked really heavy. And 
Then Martin saw a little boy come up and run and steal an apple out of the basket. And the woman started screaming at him. She noticed this. And Martin rushed out into the street and offered to pay for the apple. And give, then he gave the apple to the boy. And he managed to convince the boy to ask the woman's forgiveness. And the woman gave it to him. And then the boy offered to carry the woman's apples home for her. And Martin went back into his house. And as night fell, he remembered his dream. And once again, he heard the voice of Jesus. Martin, didn't you recognize me? Who, he exclaimed. It was I, said the voice of Christ, as Stepanita and the young woman and the baby and the old woman and the boy all appeared in front of him, stepped forward, and then vanished again. And Martin opened up his Bible, which he was planning on reading at the same chapter that he left off, but it opened up into a different place. Matthew 25. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. And on the lower part of the page, he read this. As you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. Martin found himself in the presence of God that day as he reached out in compassion to those in need. One commentator says this about Lent. Lent is an opportunity to draw near to God by drawing near to those around us. Fasting is not just for performance, but to seek God's face. To practice a lifestyle in which self-indulgence and greed are totally given up and replaced by generosity to the poor. The great paradox of the life of faith to which we are called is that blessing comes through self-denial, that we receive through giving, and that we gain our lives by laying them down. This Lent, as we practice fasting from chocolate or TV or social media or anything else that we may choose is a good idea to give up, And I'm not saying it's not a good idea to give up any of those things. I'm going to give up one of them. But may we not neglect the fast that means the most to God's heart. Freeing the oppressed. Sharing our bread with the hungry. Bringing the homeless poor into our homes and clothing the naked. And then we shall call and the Lord will answer. We shall cry and he will say, here I am. And here I have been all along in the faces of those to whom you have shown love. Thanks be to God. Amen. You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services. 